to us, isn't he? Pastor said whenever the children were leaving, half the church left. I'll try not to run the other half off in the next couple minutes. I'll do my very best. But I uh, first want to thank Pastor and Ms. Glenner for laying a good foundation for us. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Many, many years. These things don't happen overnight. Sometimes the acceleration of a ministry, other things like that, seem like they happen overnight. But they're 30, 40, 50 years in the making. Good crockpot dinner when it comes to building and growing churches. You often don't want things to take off too fast if the foundation's not there. It'll fall apart, and we're not ready for it. And um, for 43 years now? Is it 43 in ministry? Uh, full-time, 43 this July. 43, I had the number right. Guessed at it, but I had it right. 43 years is what you see today. Right? We're going to talk a little bit about that today, the, uh, the consistent, steady pace of things throughout life creates, and doing it God's way, creates the blessing in our lives. Amen. It's not one night, one hit wonders that do it. They come and go, uh, but it's a steady, consistent march in the Word of God and the principles of the Word that get, us, get you to where you are throughout, throughout life. Um, quick nugget, she's not here, she had to go. Uh, Dina is my wife, if you don't know that. Uh, I think she heard I was ministering and she ran for the highway. But... <laughs> I think that's the truth of it, but she's disguising it as teaching teen class today. Um, miss not, I miss have not, her not being in here today. Uh, she's been a faithful partner. We're on our 25th year together, and so uh, it's been good. It's not always been smooth. It's not always been perfect. It hasn't been bad, but um, just like anything, we'll teach, we're going to teach on finances specifically today, but really the principles apply to every topic. And uh, marriage is one of those things. And, um, you know, there's ups and downs and there's challenges and struggles. There's the kid years and the departing kid years and all that good stuff, which we really enjoy that part right now. <laughs> and um, finally starting to see a different light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but it's been a great 25 years, and the principles applied to that are the same as faith and other things. It's not our own doing, our own greatness that we've had a good marriage. It has been our commitment to each other. I mean, you do have to make commitments and things. We have our part. Uh, but it's been a great time. The scripture, Psalm 66, 12, comes to mind when I think about how our marriage has been. And I think it'll apply to our financial footprint as well. Uh, but th the Bible says that he, he caused us or helped us go through fire, through the dark valleys, through tough situations. I'm summarizing, it's not word for word. But he brought us out into a wealthy place. And that's really how... Our marriage has been for 25 years. I, I get that picture of, you know, in a NASCAR race when there's a big pile up and flames everywhere. The drivers are taught to hit the gas and keep it pointed in the same direction. And how excited do we get when we see that driver emerge from that big fireball, knowing that now they're in the lead? And that's a bit of the walk of faith. There's fireballs along the way, but we keep pointed on the Word of God, keep, keep our nose to the grind, and get it done, and we'll get through it, and we'll come out in a better place. That's the essence of living the life of the kingdom on the earth. It's not, it's not the one-hit wonder stuff. It's the steady march to the day that we say goodbye to this earth and we get the certificate that says, well done. Amen? Amen. Bit of a foundation for where we're going today with finances. All right. We better get moving, right? So I do want to acknowledge you know, all the work of the ministers in here. Um, you know, this... Making this work is everybody's faith and cooperation together. 
My role, God called me to many years ago, was to support the ministers, to support the ministry. This isn't my primary function to teach. I may do it once, twice, maybe three times a year. Uh, but as part of that, the Lord always said, be ready. And you should always stay in a constant state of readiness, no matter what your assignment is. And when you do that, you'll be called up in the game when, the, when, when it's needed. Amen? And if you're not called to preach, it's something else that you're called to serve at. Always be ready. Have your hand at the plow. Have your toolbox ready. If you sit there and don't do any of that, you won't be called up. And it's quite, quite that simple. And so my job has been a support, to support the ministers of the house over the years, even in a different ministry, different ministries. That's been my primary call to do that. And it's a privilege to work with the ministers here, especially senior pastors. Uh, it's a calling. It's not just a job. It takes preparation. This is the one week I had to prepare. You know, I couldn't yell at the kids this morning like I do on every other Sunday. <laughs> you know, you got to keep strife out of the house. You got to cut things off. You know, you got to cap time. You know, things I wanted to do or I usually do every Saturday couldn't happen this Saturday. And I only had to do it one week. Uh, but uh, the ministers of the house have to do that every week. And uh, a lot goes into it. So, as your fellow colleague in the faith, prepare. You prepare as well. And prepare in, in faith. So, when you come here, the pastor and the ministers have to work, and we all get something tremendous out of it. Well, I won't be too long today. As Henry Ford said, you can have any color car you want as long as it's black. pastor said you can take as much time as you want as long as it's 20 minutes. And so <laughs> when the spirit of Henry Ford and pastor, we'll, we'll be, use our time wisely. So, so on, the, on the subject, the theme of breakthroughs and blessings, I want to talk today about our financial footprint within that. Right? There's our health footprint, and there's our family footprint, there's our faith footprint, prayer footprint, and there's our financial footprint, and that's just the bent that I'm teaching on today, and that's the bent that I typically teach on. Financial health is a part of the holistic blessing operating in our lives. It's often a choke point for many of us as believers. It's the most talked about subject in the Bible. If you really step back and think about what we do every day, how much of it is governed by some sort of financial decision or commitment or something like that? It's not all-inclusive, but it is a major part of our lives. And like health and like family, it's good to get it right. And I got good news. God knows how to get it right. And I got even better news. He wrote the instructions down to get it right. So naturally, if we don't get it right... Who do we have to look at to get it right? Ourselves, right? God's done his part. He's prepared it for us. He wrote the Bible back in the days when there were actually cavemen. And so it's so easy that a caveman can understand it. And uh, he wrote it just for me. Praise the Lord. You know, choke points, uh, I call them choke points, I guess, for my own, my own good. Uh, but they're things, hang-ups I have, as I've learned along the way. Early on, about everything in the Bible was a choke point. It's not how my mind wasn't renewed. I didn't know what I was doing. When I was a teenager is when I really started going after the Lord. And not much of the Bible made sense other than, than accepting Jesus as Savior. And then I had to train over time. So everything was a choke point. But still today, one of the most difficult ones, because it's so much a part of our lives, is the area of finances. Working in ministry, I've heard all types of things from believers uh, that are amazing. You know, why do we have to keep talking about that is the most common one. Why, why is that the only thing that's important? And it never is if you really listen to everything. But it is a choke point. 
and, uh, and, and we have to work through those things and get understanding in the word of what they are. A long time ago, when I, you know, I would make decisions based on the financial aspect of it, I'd look at it and say, well, either I don't have enough or that doesn't look good. And then one day it hit me, money is no longer going to be a voting member at my board. It's just an advisor. It's a tool. If God calls me to do something, I'm going to do it. And if I don't have a picture, you know, God never calls you to do something and then pushes you overboard without giving you swimming lessons. I mean, you, know, you, you look back on it and you think, that's a pretty dumb way to look at things, you know. But that's how I looked at it. He's not going to do that. He's going to help us. He'll throw us a floaty. He'll send us to the Y for instructions. Whatever, a submarine will pop up. He'll help us. But he's not going to send us out there to fail. Amen. He's not a God of failure. And he didn't design us to fail. And so I remember that very distinct day. I said, you know what? I, from now on, it's an advisor. It's not going to have a vote on whether I do it or not. It'll influence when and how I do things, and it'll give me a marker of what I need to get to, use my faith to get to, to actually realize this thing God's called me to do. But it no longer has a yes or no vote. I'd ask you to consider that in your own lives. Don't give it a yes or no vote, because it's the first thing that'll pop up on your radar when God tells you to do something. I can't do that. Of course you can't do that. That's why he called you to do it. But he'll equip you to do it. Isn't that a good thing? So I also had a picture one time, I was struggling with these things, not just finances, but health. You know, how do I get to it, right? How does this, I think I know what it says, but I'm not exactly sure how to get there, really what it means. And I had this picture in prayer time, uh, it wasn't a visitation or anything, it was just a, a building picture of a football field. I played football in high school, so I kind of, it, it worked for me. But this picture of the two sidelines, and where health and healing and all that, the picture I got was, you know, there's God, team God on one side, and I was on the other side of the field. I was looking across the field to want to get what's over there. But I was born again. I had accepted Jesus. And I was kind of going through this, and I realized, you know what? I'm on the wrong side of the field. I'm already on that team, but I'm playing it from the other side, as if I have to go get it. But when you're on the team, you already have it. Amen. It goes from, it, it, we're really figuring out how to learn and how to use it rather than how to get it. That's a choke point for us as Christians. We look at it from the other side of the field as if healing is over there and I have to go get it. Healing is on your side and we have to learn how to use it. Finance is on, on our side and we have to learn how to use it God's way. But we don't have to go get it. That might be a hard saying, but take it and chew on it. And one day the Lord will start, well, he'll slowly start to reveal things to you. It's just like, you know, I'm healthy and I'm overcoming sickness, right? Sickness is an attack. We live in a world, we know all that stuff happens. But I'm not the sick trying to get healed. My identity's different. I'm a healthy person by design. Now, I may have a sniffle here or there where I may come under attack. That doesn't, that doesn't recreate who I am. It's just on the outside trying to work its way in. Health is on the inside working its way out. What has the greater strength, the outside or the inside? Praise the Lord. So perspective. So today we're going to work on two areas of focus. Um, and I may not get through all of it, but the main thing today is to talk about our financial identity, how we were created, and the promises that go with it. And if time permits, we'll talk about a few how-to nuggets. Everybody likes a nugget, right? Chicken nugget, spiritual nugget. All right, take whatever nugget you can get. All right, so it's important, and we're focusing just on finances today, but you can apply it to any subject 
uh, under the blessing. The identity and promises are really about how we view our part, our role, who we are in the world. It is important to know what belongs to you and why you qualify for it. Identification most often determines eligibility. You can be eligible but not know it, and that's a sad thing, right? I want to paint the landscape a little bit of uh, how we've seen things over time. Good stewardship. I'm going to maybe hit some of those, uh, th- those highlights that all make us cringe over time in the, in the church settings, but good stewardship. Recently had some examples outside of here where the topic of good stewardship was floating around, and uh, all the principles are good. Budgeting's good. Purposeful spending's good. Making sure the checks and balances are in place. You've got to have those. They're good. Being very disciplined financially. You don't want to put money in it and fall out the bottom of your pocket. We all know that. But we make that the hallmark of good stewardship. And I want you to translate this to your personal life. What it took me a long time to realize is that's not going to get you from here to there. That's not going to help you. That's, that's a part of it. But what we all leave out of good stewardship is the primary thing, and that's give and it shall be given. That's tithing. That's putting God's business first. That's agreeing with his word that the first of everything goes to him, and then the rest of it lines up. That's good stewardship. And then you bolt on the other things. Just painting some landscape here. Anybody watch it? Was it Family Ties with Michael J. Fox? Was that the right, right show? I remember it was a funny... Uh, you know, a lot of times we approach, approach stewardship without the giving aspect, and the funniest episode I've ever seen, but his dad worked for like PBS or something like that, and um, they were talking about budgeting, and you know, Michael J. Fox, and then he was kind of a hot shot and all that, knew everything, like most teenagers do, and, uh, and his dad came in, was talking about budgeting, and he threw an analogy out there, so he said, what do you do there, you know, you, you throw a, a jar of pennies out, and you all run and grab them, and that's your budget for the year? That's typically how we approach good stewardship. But we're givers. We start with that. Amen? Let's talk about financial training uh, in our debt. So I'm, I'm painting a picture here uh, where debt's concerned. I, I grew up in the financial world. My dad was a financial guy. I learned a lot from him. Uh, we're all trained in school to some degree to see things a certain way. And uh, it's different than the kingdom, right? The way we operate, that we're taught to operate financially and the perspective of debt is actually different than the way... The kingdom says to do it. Now, I'm not saying all debt's bad. I'm not going there with that. And we need to use it in steps and things like that throughout our lives. But the Bible is very clear that we're to owe no man anything but to love him. That's one scripture. There's other scriptures. The borrower is servant to the lender. Given it shall be given. It doesn't talk about borrow and you shall be better. You don't see that. I'm not condemning. I've done debt and business-wise we have a little bit of debt. And I'll maybe explain some of that. But... All I'm saying is there is a better way, a more ideal way, as we work our steps to that. Let's point our ship in the direction of God's way. Even if I'm not there today, isn't it, wouldn't it be better to be better tomorrow? Wouldn't it be a little bit better to be closer to God's way tomorrow, even if I'm still far away? Amen. We'll talk about the hundredfold in a minute and that perspective on that. But it is about inching forward closer to God. It's not about hitting the home run today. Either I win by the home run or I lose by, by the out. So as an example, uh, 25 years ago, we bought, a, I think our first house was $104,000 or something like that. $104,950. I remember that. Don't know why. doesn't matter to anybody, but I remember. 
And then to, the, I think interest rates were like 8% or something like that. Still not terrible, but not like today. And the down payment was 20% of that to avoid the penalties and all that. So we had, I think we had saved over a year like 1200 bucks, right? Which is still not bad, um, but that's where we were. And um, I couldn't see any other way around it. And so through some mentorship, somebody said, well, you know, you don't have the 20000 and you're very far away from the 105000 Why don't you believe for the down payment? I said, that's still a big number. And they said, well, that's, that's your next step. Why don't we work on the next step? So they helped me build scriptures and faith. It wasn't, wasn't me on my own. Helped me do that. And it came to, we're going to get nowhere after a couple months. We're, gonna, we're not much closer to the down payment. And so we prayed, Dean and I prayed, and we said, well, let's just sow the 1200 and uh, we'll, we're going to put our faith on that for a down payment in the amount of 20%. And we'll stay where we are as long as we need to be. But we're not coming off of that. Amen? Three months later, after sowing that, from no, no connection, no expected source by any means, no conversation about it, the amount plus the tithe to the almost dollar came to us at the same time we found within the same week that we found the house that we really wanted. Praise the Lord. But then we had a mortgage. Praise the Lord, right? That's a trick question, right? Everybody's a praise the Lord. No, but when you're in steps, that's praise the Lord. I got to step one. Amen. God's not condemning us for any of that stuff. He wants to help us. So that was step two. We had that. So we started believing on being able to pay that down. Still, still a ways off. My point here is perspective on things is we need to work in steps. And God's ultimate design for you and I are to be out of debt, not be subject to the lender, and to live in a prosperous way. And if I'm far from that or have many steps to go, just get to the next step. And let's celebrate the next step. Isn't that good? Amen. Steps are good. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. So I was, um, when I, I may have shared this before, but perspective and, the, and, and more on we have to make our minds up which way we're going to go. Uh, my early tithing example, and I, I think I've shared this before, but when I was 15, I got my, re, my first job that was recorded and documented. <laughs> All right, so I was making money before then, but now I had one with a W-2 and work rules. And uh, my dad really helped me, my mom and my dad, but specifically my dad, learn how to manage money and uh, uh, be aggressive in business and principles and things like that. So I had an advantage there with him. But he also sat down with me to look at the money I had in my bank account and talk to me about what it looks like and what I should do with it. And that was a big help. Except for how he viewed tithing. That was not a big help. So I got my first paycheck, and, my, and I had just said to the Lord before that, I'm going to tithe no matter what. I was going to church by myself. I'd have to drum up a ride to get to church. This was 13 or 14, then I got to 15, and uh, this is when I made that commitment. I said, well, I know enough. The Bible says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, well, it says in verse 8, if I don't do it, I'm robbing him. You know, robberies aren't good, especially when it's against the master of the universe and has everything you need. Uh, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that one out. So, But, you know, at 15, 14, 15 years old, you kind of take, take what you see and you go with it. You don't question it. You don't get tainted in all, well, maybe that's not exactly what he meant. Well, 
Verse 8 says I'm robbing him. That's, I think, what it means. And so I went to verse 10 and looked at verse 10 and said, okay, bring it in. Bring the first. So that's what I did with my first check until my dad did the reconciliation with me. He said, you're not going to do that. You need it. And his principles were really strong with what he, be- he believed on. Right? He wasn't trying to hurt me or anything, but he realized I had a car. He realized I needed to save, uh, put gas in it. I just started dating Dina. I, I just turned 16, so it was right in that switch. She was a couple months shy of being 16, and he was a wise man and had experience, and he knew that now it would get expensive because I just started <laughs> dating her. And it, it's proven to be true, and it's still true to this very day. Well worth the investment, though. Um, but anyway, we went through the how to manage that, and I went back to the Lord that night and said, Lord, I don't know what to do here, but I'm going to tithe. I never disrespected my dad. I love my dad, still do. He's an honorable man. Uh, he taught me how to give. He and my mom are great givers and great servers, just not in a covenant way. And so I saw that in operation, and I always wanted to please him and do things. He's just a good, he's a good person and a good father. Uh, but I said on this one, today I'm choosing to go a different direction. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but Lord, I'm going to honor you one way or the other. And it was very, the very next day, I, mean, I, was, and I wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost. I didn't know a whole lot of anything, but I do remember the Lord, say, uh, the Lord saying, I'll give you another way. I said, okay. I said, what I do for now, just take some money out of your back pocket and put it in there. My dad was fine with, we went to a Methodist church, and you know, they had those flat plates that were about that thick. You could stack about four $1 bills on top of it, and that plate's tapped out, you know. They spent all Saturday polishing the brass, and you could put four bucks in it the next day. Even as a kid, I couldn't quite put all that together. But anyway, you move on. He was good with that, uh, but not the big stuff, the 10% and the 15% and the 20% stuff, uh, put, putting God first. And um, so two or, two or three days after that, prior to that, I was off the record of making money. Don't tell the IRS, but that was when I was a child, so they can't come get me now. But I had mastered the art of detailing cars at four, 13 and 14 years old. I was getting some big bucks. I was doing lawns. I did, did things all summer, like go clean trash cans out. And I grew up in Hampton Roads, so when it's 100 degrees and the trash can outside needs to be clean, nobody else wants to do it, but people will pay you to do it. And so I did a bunch of that, and I was making, making some good money. And the Lord said, hey, I'll get, take that cash, sum it all up, and use that cash to pay your tithe. Now, I didn't want to dishonor my dad, but he never asked, and I tithe. And 30, I'm 46 today, so anybody do the math? That's 31, right? No, that's longer than that. Anyway, somebody just do the math. 31 years or something like that. 31. 31 years later, never missed a tithe that I know of. Never missed honoring God. Even in some down times, I made some bad decisions along the way. Still did it. Still did it God's way. And we're in the best place we've ever been, right? The ups and downs, Psalm 66, 12. There's some fire along the way. There's some bumps along the way. You stay on God's way of doing it, you'll come out the other side in a better spot than you've ever been before. Praise the Lord. I've been out of debt now for 20 years. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I'm just sharing this as a testimony, not because I've done anything great or, you know, any of that stuff. I started out at the bottom and work my way through things. God's helped me get there. And I've lost it all at one time, too, from not a bad decision, but a disobedient decision, which is worse than a bad decision. And I had a lot going at the time, lost it all, but got back on God's principle, and we're in the best spot we've ever been before. And I'm just saying this is testimony. 
Don't get, don't get offended or choked up in any way about, oh, he's up there bragging. I'm not doing that. Because I know when I woke up this morning, God put breath in my lungs. And if I step outside of his will, that might cease to exist. I got to do it his way. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But it is good to be out of debt. I've had to say no to things. We've had to wait. We waited 20, almost 20 years for one particular thing. God's business first. And now it's coming. We enjoy it and things like that. We don't have to struggle over it. Don't have to think if, you know, there's a recession out there. Does it dip? Not participated in any recessions. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying, would you owe no man anything and work your way to get there at some point that if there's a down day, it's not that big of a down day. You'll get through it. Amen? Is that helpful or does it make you mad at me? I'm telling you there's a better, better place. Amen. Some other examples of identity. Uh, Pastor, I think you said this, but if you didn't, I'm going to give you credit for it today. Free credit. Um, identity does matter. You know, what we choose to identify with or not and what side of the field we choose to get in on or not, it determines whether we're in or out on things. Like I said, God's already provided everything. He's laid it out. So whether we're in or out is up to us. All right? Uh, the, anybody heard about the, the queen who's no longer with us, but her, one of her former nurses, I think you talked about this, but she had retired from the royal nursehood or whatever you call it. And with that comes a lifelong benefit of full health care and pension benefits and things like that. But she didn't know it. Now, she spent all this time serving royalty. And I think she died early or found out right at the end that she lived a miserable retirement stage because she just didn't know what she was eligible for. We come to church every Sunday and Wednesday. We, make, we claim Jesus is our Lord, and he is. What a tragedy to go through life and end this, end this life having missed out on our eligibility. Amen? If she had just known, she would have been eating tea and crumpets every day with the best doctors in town. Instead, she had Oreos and warm milk. You know, in the old days, uh, identity mattered not as much today with banks. It's more of just a plug in a number. But back in the days, I remember when I was a kid, but even before then, it mattered. You know, if the banker in town and your, your parents did bank with them and had a good record and were honorable, that all, they, all you had to do was call up to Mr. Banker and you'd go in and he'd say, you're so-and-so's boy or girl. Yes, yes. Well, let's sit down here and let's sign the loan papers or something like that. You're going to get a new car. But if they didn't know you and you walked in there, there's no record of you, right? So you can't risk a tie to that identity. You couldn't really get favor there. But praise God, we have favor with Jesus' name and his identity. You know, my dad was a big car guy. I remember when we were little, I was real little. The only thing I can remember is he drove a wrecker on the weekends, and they had a little, you could flip the lights on. That was my job. And they had a three-legged junkyard dog that rode with us. He was the meanest dog on the planet, and he only had three legs, but he could run. And he would sit in the right seat, I'd sit in the middle seat, and my dad would sit in the left seat. And so he got well, my dad was well-known among the mechanics in town, and, you know, they just all knew each other. And as I got to my car phase, you know, when I, something needed to go in the shop, my dad would call, I would get there, and they'd say, you're so-and-so's boy, bring it right in, we'll fix you up. And it, no, I never walked out of there with an excessive bill. I never got hosed on any deal. Because they knew if that happened, 
my dad was coming down to see him. But they knew when I came in who I was just by identifying with my dad. My mom was a successful uh, public school system uh, educator. She was a teacher for a long time, then kind of special programs, and she finished her years in administration. I think she went close to 45 years in public education. She was well-known just because of the time and her work. She was excellent what she did. That helped me get through school. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> you know, uh, OSS and ISS, I remember those acronyms. They didn't sting as bad when everybody knew mom, uh, but they were well-deserved at times. I think this probably uh, counters my point, but it's a little point on misunderstood identity. Anybody know Shaquille O'Neal? Everybody knows Shaquille O'Neal, right? He's on the pizza commercials, the goofy pizza commercials. He said something, I just laugh every time I hear it, but his son came up, they were going to get his son a car, and uh, he took him over to the Chevrolet dealership, and his son said, Dad, why are we here? I want a Mercedes. And he said, we're rich. And Shaquille O'Neal said, son, I'm rich. We're not rich. So that's a mistaken identity. Uh, mis misplaced identity. Is <laughs> Praise the Lord. We'll move through here. So anyway, we have some uh, uh, foundation birthrights for our identity. Our identity didn't start at the fall. It started when we were created. Amen. The fall separated us from the creation identity or God's intent and design for our lives. The garden. You think about the Garden of Eden. Did that place stink in the summer? No. Did the crops fail to grow next spring? No. Did the water run dry? No. It was fully furnished. Everything in there was intended to support the work of the, the man and the woman that God put it in the garden. And then multiplication was to come from that, all the resources there. That's what it looked like early on. The battle we have today is between our original intent, which is now our saved nature, if we know Jesus, our, our now our nature is the original intent, the battle between that and the failed nature. If you don't know Jesus today, then you don't have access to that. That's a harsh reality. It's a reality. It's a truth that will never change. And so it is wise today to make Jesus your Lord, even if you don't understand anything. Ask somebody. But don't go any further without that and waste the rest of your life. It is good to be on the side of Coach Jesus, right? He's got a good side. You know, he's got good Gatorade on his side, right? It's not the bad stuff. You know, hose water on the other side, good Gatorade on his side. Praise the Lord. Galatians 3.13, everybody know, anybody know what that says? He's redeemed us. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. In other words, restoration back to where we're supposed to be. Let's go to Deuteronomy 28, and I'll kind of roll through this. Let's put that on the screen. I promise you there's a scripture in here somewhere. Just wanted to build that context up. We won't be much longer. 35, 55 minutes from now. It won't be much longer. All right. Uh, I'm sorry. Genesis chapter 1. I was on the wrong one. I'm going to skim these, these scriptures. So uh, don't, don't get mad at me if it's like, he's not, paying, he's not reading these things. I'm purposely not reading them in full. Uh, Genesis chapter 1. We looked at uh, on the sixth day. What happened? Does anybody know what happened on the sixth day? Man, God created man, right? So I wanted to lay that out. But if we go back to verse 1, each day God was providing the setting for man to thrive. All right? So he did all that before we got here. And the point we're going to lay out here is he didn't do it afterwards to where 
Adam would have to say, well, maybe I need to earn my way to that. Uh, maybe I need to wait it out and hope that it comes. The master of the universe put it all in place before he got here, which naturally means that it's built into his identity once he gets here. Amen. These are resources and tools for him to carry out and Eve to carry out the multiplication purpose and assignment God put on their lives. It didn't come after the fact. So and what do you do on the first day? Separate it, light and darkness, right? It's a pretty, pretty important day. Uh, what do you do on the second day? Separate it, the waters from the heavens, the skies. All right, so he's starting to piece together with some detail these things they will need. You know, and when he separated the light and the darkness, that was the beginning of 24 hours, seven days a week coverage. He's got our backs 24-7, right? He was put in a place that around-the-clock watch and provision. Praise the Lord. Separated the skies. Uh, on the third day, what did he do? Uh, good stuff. Dry ground popped up. It's hard to grow corn under the water. So the seed bearing, the dry ground came up. Water was flowing where it needed to go. There were no tidal waves, no unnecessary floods. It was all moving in the right direction. And this land became a very fertile and flush land. Why? So that when Adam got here, he would have everything he needs to carry out the assignment God put on him. God really created this earth, and especially in the Garden of Eden, to just be an extension of heaven, not to be something completely different. He made man and woman in likeness and image. So we're kind of supposed to operate like him here. It's supposed to be designed that way. Praise the Lord. Then he went on on the fourth day, I think uh, that one, made the skies, the seasons, the days, uh, things in the sky so that we could determine the season, the day, the days. If you want to be successful in life, get a calendar. God created the calendar. He used it, put it in place. Amen? So we started to layer in details that would help them be successful. On the fifth day, what did he do? Populated the uh, waters with fish and Things that were good, sharks didn't eat you at that time, uh, but they worked all out for your good, so that was becoming a fruitful means and, uh, to help them later on. Uh, and then he created livestock on the ground, so they'd have things to, to operate and work and multiply and provision there. And then, and I told you I was skipping, and then he created on the sixth day human beings. Verse 27, in his image... He created them. Male and female, he created them. And he gave them an instruction. You have now have everything you need. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea. Why? Because they're already there. You can reign over stuff when it's there. The birds in the sky, the animals, so on and so forth. Adam lacked nothing. That's how we're supposed to operate. Amen? Praise the Lord. Let's go to Deuteronomy 28, and we'll scurry on here. Now, this is the financial picture, very, very uh, similar to Genesis chapter 1, just more financially focused. And for sake of time today, I'm going to just finish up the identity and give you one nugget, all right? It'll be the most expensive nugget you paid for today, no. free of charge. But let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 28. Um, I've got the New Living Translation, so just bear with me. Of the Lord, uh, if you obey the Lord, caref um, your God, and carefully keep all his commandments that I'm giving you today, the Lord will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all the blessings. Your town, now this is what I run through personally. I have been doing for years. I'm just giving you an example. Do it your way. Uh, but this is how I kind of, before the ball game, get my pep talk going. 
You know how you see them in a crowd yelling and chanting and getting ready, hyped up? Uh, this is the way you hype yourself up on God's promises for you. Take them, take them seriously. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops. My biz- I, I just say this. Well, my crops represent maybe my business, those things that produce income for me. Okay? My business will produce adequate income. I go on and on. Shareholder return will expand further internationally. Just start declaring things off the Word of God, just off of that one scripture, and then tie some others in. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Those represent income-producing assets. God's promise. I don't want a thousand cattle in my backyard, but I do want something that produces income. Amen? And it's just until recent years where I've had assets that produce income. That's better than me producing income. It's nice. It's nice, but it's been new. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. You'll have provision to eat. Recession hits, man, that's, a, that's one I put my, head down, my feet down on. I'm, I'm going to have plenty to eat. Amen? Do you like that? Plenty of resources at all times. And wherever you go, whatever you do, you will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. What's an enemy? Pressure, worry, kids acting up, marriage going south or sideways. Lack, financial lack. The Lord will conquer your enemies when you obey him and do it his way. Praise the Lord. I like that. They'll, they'll attack you from one direction, but go in seven. You know, seven different directions. You know, if you do things God way, God's way, he will cause confusion in the enemy's camp. And that confusion will start with you and I declaring what the word says. You know, Satan and his cohorts don't like to hear that. And I know there's some mean people in here. So get mean with the... De- I didn't mean that. I can identify a few. All right. But get mean with the devil. All right. Because it's promised to you. Verse 8. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and fill your storehouses with grain, with things of value to sell. Praise the Lord. You want to know how you get wealthy? It's through multiplication, not dollar for dollar work. Praise the Lord. I saw my dad do it, but I haven't lived that way for, for too long, but I finally learned how to do it, and it's nice. But God will do it. Steps, steps, steps over time. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people. This is the most important thing to me. If it's a choke point for you to be wealthy, think about somebody else. And when I get choked up on this, this is where I go. I need to ground myself. Even if I can't get my faith there yet, I'm going to do it for somebody else. It's tied into the purpose the Lord's given me, and he's given you. Then all the nations of the Lord will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord. Right? If you're successful, if you have peace in your life, and uh, your marriage is fruitful, and you're wealthy, and you're successful, and you have influence, then all the people will see that you're claimed of the Lord. In other words, they'll give the Lord honor and glory. 2 Corinthians 9 Uh, Chapter 9 talks about that. After all the sowing and participation, then it says, then they will give the Lord glory and thanksgiving for the great work you've done. That's really what it's for. Uh, When I got out of college, uh, I thought I was going into full-time ministry, and the Lord redirected me on the college campus, walking to the slop hall. I think that's what it was called then, the slop hall. And I was going to sign full-time to go into ministry with Campus Crusade for Christ. And I heard from the Lord, I want you to be a finance for the kingdom. Don't do that. That's all I heard. I've never heard from the Lord about anything like that before. So I just didn't sign. It didn't mean I knew what I was going to do. So I just went on and on and on. And over time, the Lord's built that for me. As my success is built one bit at a time, um, the calling has changed. My calling is this, that it's developed over time, to be a financier for the kingdom of God, 
to be a minister of the gospel to business leaders and people of influence, to be a connector of kings and priests. That's what gets me up moving every day and finishes the day. Nothing else. The Lord's developed that. Praise the Lord. But why? Why, why do we need to be successful? Verse 10, so that all the nations of the world will see that we're claimed by the Lord. Amen. Let me jump, let me finish up with this one. I want to know verse 11, and then, then we'll get here close to finishing. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors. Anybody ever heard of back pay? God's way? There's no other good way to do back pay but God's way. Why didn't he swore it to the ancestors? They didn't get it. Why? Because they went the wrong direction. It's not that he didn't intend for them to have it. They chose to go the wrong way or not work the word, uh, be disobedient, sit on their hands, watch football all Sunday and not pray. I mean, just start, you know, they did not commit to the way God told them to do it. But he did say, if you'll get in line with him, he will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors. Meaning, and this is a confession of mine, everything that was due to my ancestors that they didn't realize because of one reason or the other, we're reclaiming it for today based on the blessing of the Lord. Yes. Dina's gr grandfather was a very successful, could have been a very successful country music singer. Some of the, the Skag songs and other ones, he wrote all those. He went to record with his band, and they got so drunk, somebody stole everything while they were recording. Jennings and those guys, everybody know that Whaling and, Whaling and all that? He wrote some of those songs. He was very successful. And guess what? He went the wrong way, got drunk, lost everything. He was a barber the rest of his life, great barber. But he missed out on that. Could you imagine? I mean, I don't... Can you imagine a successful music career, you know? And they served the Lord. At the, you know, the family was more leaning towards the Lord, not all of them. Uh, but what, what that could have done in the body of Christ. So claim your back pay. That's your identity. Don't leave it sitting out there. Somebody else will claim it. Uh, verse 12, we'll finish on this one in Deuteronomy. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury. Now, he's got a pretty good treasury. Last time I looked at my bank account, it could not get done, what he's called me to get done so far, at least the next thing. But the good news is he is a pretty good banker. He'll give you what you need. He'll give you people that you need. He'll put you in their lives. He'll set things up for you to be successful. Praise the Lord. All right. Let me read Psalm 112, and then I'll give you a nugget, and then would, everybody, would it be everybody's pleasure to leave at that point? <laughs> if I didn't do anything today, mission accomplished. The other half of the church didn't leave, so I'm happy. Uh, verse uh, Psalm 112, the Passion Translation, verse 2, their descendants will be prosperous and influential. Every generation of the righteous will experience his favor. This is how it's supposed to be. Great blessing and wealth fills the house of the, house of the wise. I know wealth is broader than just finances. We all know that, but it does include that, all right? So don't bypass that just because our religious upbringing say, well, that's not humble enough. Humility is accepting what God said and doing that, not the contrary. Praise the Lord. For their integrity endures forever. Even if darkness overtakes them, sunrise, brilliance will come bursting through because they are gracious to others, so tender and true. Ooh, that sounds nice. Life is good to the one who is generous and charitable. God's way, all right? 
conducting their affairs with honesty and truth. That's one of my business principles I actually put in place for our company is that we would do our business dealings fairly. Even if it cost us, we were not to take advantage of anybody. That our approach into this would be to bless people, bless people on the other side of the deal table. Uh, If not, if we couldn't do that, we'd walk away from the deal. We've walked away through a couple that looked big, but had we done it the wrong way, they would have been bruisers. And uh, just glad we did it God's way. As a means of testimony, this is, once again, it's not, not me, but it's God's way of doing things. Our company, when I started 20 years ago, and I've had a bunch of different positions there, we were number 12 or 13 in the industry in North America. We were small. We were on the verge of bankruptcy a few times. We implemented biblical principles. We're now number one today in North America. And that's not by brilliance. That's by doing it's God's way. We became a giving company. We became a principal company, like I just said, conducting our business dealings fairly, walking away from some that, that can't be achieved and going after the ones that can. Apply that to your life personally. All right, in conclusion, let me give you one nugget. That's who you are. Does everybody know a little bit better who they are now? Okay. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So build your experience so you know who you are. Uh, The nugget today for you to walk away with is go practice this. You know, it's not going to happen if you don't practice it. You're not going to make it to the Super Bowl if you don't practice the winning game. Day and night, kind of live it, breathe it. This doesn't happen just Sunday to Wednesday, Sunday to Wednesday. It's good that you're here, but if you're not practicing in between, you know, the older you get, if you don't warm up every day, you'll blow something out if you go try to run. Uh, you you want to practice this every day. Practice it in steps, because in steps, character is built. And when character is built, something sounded odd. I guess it's my cue to finish. But. When character is built, then the material things can properly line up behind that. If character is not built, they can overtake you and run you over. Steps are good. When I met Dina when I was 6, 15, 16, I was 16, I had a 1984 Chevrolet S10 Blazer, red and white, red on top, red on the bottom, white stripe, an engine, 2.8 liter, four-cylinder engine, most lawnmowers could outrun. (laughs) It had all red vinyl interior, not leather, vinyl, and I was so meticulous about keeping a car clean that there wasn't a speck of dust on the inside of this. However, I would slick down all the vinyl with armor on. And so you can imagine how that ride went. You, know, you make a right turn, you slide to the left. Make a left turn, slide to the right. There's a song about that, isn't it? It's like a dance. I think they did it at the wedding last night, right? The electric slide or something like that. That's where I started with cars. You know, nowadays I've stepped, I've had a little bit of a habit with cars, but last couple cars I've had this beautiful thing. Steps are wonderful. A heated steering wheel. If I had to choose between a windshield and a heated steering wheel, I'd go with the steering wheel. (laughs) Goggles and a helmet, but my hands are going to be warm. It's nice. Steps are good. All right? So practice your steps. And we've heard about uh, in Genesis 26, 12, about Isaac sowing in the land and got a hundredfold return in the same year. Then we talked about uh, in Mark chapter 10, uh, the 30, 60, hundredfold, uh, hundredfold. Uh, This is a step perspective. The process of faith, the process of your walk with God is, a, is iterative, all right? 
we see the hundredfold and sometimes we stop because it's, I can't get that. Look, I can't get that. I'm telling you personally, I can't get a hundredfold. I don't want, I don't want to sow a car and get a hundredfold, hundred back. You know, that doesn't make sense. It's about getting better. It's about taking steps. Give and it shall be given is about the next step. And sometimes the Lord will accelerate you multiple steps, but don't get hung up on too big, too fast. Take the steps by faith. All right. That's not all, but that's all for today. And uh, thank you, Pastor. I'd, I'll sit down now if you'd like me to, but I appreciate you listening. Have a good day. Thank you. Good job. That was, that was a blessing, wasn't it? Isn't it good to come to church and hear somebody besides me? Um, we have a testimony to share with you, and then Matt is going to close the service. Nick thought I forgot him, and I did, but then I remembered him. It goes right along with what you have just heard. So he's going to testify, and you're going to be glad with him, and then Matt's going to close us out. Go ahead, Nick. Praise the Lord. Well, in the summer of 2022, that was just last summer, as you know, uh, began to run into some significant financial challenges. Uh, won't go into all the details, but as the summer progressed, just the financial pressure got greater and greater and greater until it's just like, oh my God, <laughs> can't breathe. Uh, <laughs> which is so ridiculous that we get anxious about things like that. Uh, can't breathe because you don't have enough money. Uh, just keep taking another breath. Uh, anyway, um, but as many of you know, I'm an adjunct professor for Liberty University, so I work and get paid for part of the month of January, February, March, April, and a very little bit of May, and then part of the month of August, September, October, November, and a very little part of December. Um, so there's no income from Liberty University from May, June, July, and for a good chunk of August. And so... Uh, in May of last year, began to plan and, and pray and sowed some seed and uh, budgeted a little bit and prayed a lot more, uh, looking ahead to the coming months. And so May went by and it was okay. June went by, it wasn't as good, but it was all right. And then July came when it was like, oh my goodness. Uh, and then August rolled around and it's just like, okay, I know the paycheck's going to be here in a couple of weeks, but I'm out of time. Like, I'm out of time and I'm out of money. Um, so, Lord, I need, I need a miracle. And so I, I thought about it for a long time, and I decided that I was going to call Pastor Greg because I figured I've been in church my whole life, and I know that these principles work, but there, you know, I'm only 27. I was at 27 at the time. You know, I'm 27 years old. Maybe there's something I don't know, you know, maybe, or maybe I've got something wrong, or I, I need input. And one thing that I do know is that the Bible says that Jesus gave gifts to the church, and one of those gifts is the gift of the pastor. So I know that if I go to that gift, one way or the other, regardless of how it happens, I'm going to get what I need. So I called him, and uh, just explained what was going on and said, you know, it is, I'm not trying to say anything contrary to my confession, but, you know, it would be really easy to say that this is not working, you know. Uh, so is there anything that you would check? Is there anything that you would do? You know, what, what do you see? What, do you, what would you say? And he gave me a couple of pointers, but the main thing was, having done all to stand, stand. And then, uh, so I, I took that and, and kind of looked over things he said to look over and, and agreed 
uh, that the, really the only missing element was having done all to stand, stand. And uh, near the end of our phone call, he gave me a word. And like I said earlier, that's how this works. You, you call on the anointing and you, you, uh, you draw on that gift that Christ provided to you through a pastor. And one way or the other, don't try and make it look a certain way, but one way or the other, you get what you need. And at the end of that conversation, the Holy Spirit moved him and he began to speak to me a word. And I won't give you all of the details, but one of the things he said was, you know, there'll come a time where you'll have so many students at Liberty and I get paid per student, so that's a big deal. There'll be so many, you'll have so many students at Liberty that you won't know what to do with them all. And then uh, a week later, it got worse. <laughs> you thought you were going to hear good news. <laughs> Mark chapter 4, Satan comes immediately to steal the word. And so a week later, I got a text message from the person that is in charge of assigning me students, and they said, we don't really know how it's looking for incoming students this year, so you may not get very many, and to be honest with you, you know, full-time faculty come first, and so we may have to fill some of their needs, so we may actually have to take from what you already have and give it to them. And I, this might be like TMI, but I was in the shower when I got that text. And I don't even think I turned the shower water off. I walked out of the shower, threw my phone on the floor, and I said, that's a lie in Jesus' name. And then I picked the phone up and I started texting people. I said, hey, this is the message that I got. And by the way, I just want you to know, it's a lie. <laughs> it's a lie. It's not going to happen. Well, about a week and a half later, I did, in fact, had more students than I ever had had before. My number of students more than doubled. And at the time, at the time, it was more than I knew what to do with. But now I've learned how to manage that much. So I'm just going to continue to stand because the word has not run out. So there's another amount coming, and it'll be more than I can handle. And I'll master that one, and it'll be more than I can handle. And I'll master that one, and it'll be more than I can handle. And I'm just going to, as Jason was teaching, just keep growing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.